0: Today, I want to talk to you about the importance of daily praying God's will over your life. How many of y'all want to increase your prayer life? Come on, one question. Raise your hand up. All right, this is the message. I'm just telling you, this is the message because in this message, I want to talk to you how to practically increase the fervency, your passion for God in your prayer time. Now, I want to say this for those of you uh, maybe that are guests or you haven't been here the last couple weeks, I have been teaching on prayer the last three weeks. This is the fourth week. I've been walking with Jesus for 35 years, and I've taught on prayer before. Church of the King is 24 years old. I've done prayer series. But as I came into this season getting ready to do this series, I drew up this diagram. I've never done this before, but I felt this would be helpful to serve you guys with an understanding. So here's how it works. There's three what I would call macro categories or macro buckets. I use bucketology, by the way. And so I want to talk to you about, because every time you see prayer in the Bible, it's really located under one of these three macro categories. Here's the diagram. You'll pull that up. All right, so I talk about upward prayer, inward prayer, outward prayer. Everybody say upward. Here's what I said several weeks ago when I started. I said, in your prayer time, When you spend, I'm talking about your devotional time with God, not just driving down the street, you throw up a prayer, which we should do, pray without ceasing. But the moment where we're spending time, a quality duration, there's a moment where maybe it's 10, 15, 20 minutes, whatever. Some of you pray more. The beginning of that prayer time is not first praying for your family. It's not first praying for the government. It's not first even praying for your own needs to be met. The very first part of prayer, matter of fact, our Lord. When the disciples asked him, Lord, teach us to pray. You know, we call it the Lord's Prayer. Technically, it's our Lord teaching the disciples. It really could be the disciples' prayer. What did Jesus tell the disciples to do first? He didn't tell them to look within. He didn't tell them to look without. The first thing he told them is to look up. Everybody say up. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And I want to encourage you. The first five, ten minutes of your prayer time, it should be spent worshiping God thanking God, honoring God. I trust that your prayer life has been energized the last few weeks as I've been teaching on this, that you guys are practically doing that. In the morning time, you're in a place and you begin to spend time with God and you just lift your voice. God, I just worship you. Jesus, I thank you for who you are. I gave a prayer guide as well to be able to help you guys to outline some of the specific ways to do these things. All right, so everyone say upward prayer. Okay, number two. Then our Lord directed the disciples to focus on their personal lives. Let thy kingdom come, let thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is what I call inward prayer. What I mean by that, I could have called it inward or personal prayer. One is connecting with God. The third dimension is praying for others. But the second dimension of prayer, it's really consecration. It's it's about how to get your needs met, but also how to bring your needs to God and surrender yourself to God every day. It's inward prayer or consecration. So the first is upward or communing with God. Number two is inward or consecration before God. That's another word to say dedicate yourself to God. And then number three Pastor Jim spoke on this last week. How many of y'all enjoyed Pastor Jim Lafoon? What not he powerful? So Pastor Jim spoke on outward prayer, and I call it confrontation. This is where you're confronting and speaking to mountains. This is when you're also praying and interceding for miracles in your family and your neighbors and your friends. So it's upward prayer, it's inward prayer, and it's outward prayer. Today, I want to talk to you about inward prayer in two specific ways. I want to talk to you about consecration, and I want to talk to you about petitionary prayer. The prayer of consecration and the prayer of petition. And I'm going to do it by giving you two backdrops. The first backdrop, by the way, there's two gardens with two situations with two different responses. So I'm going to talk to you today about the prayer of consecration and petition, looking at two gardens... Two situations and two different responses. If you have your Bible, I'm going to ask you to open up to Matthew chapter 26. Matthew chapter 26. My message is entitled today, My Declaration of Dependence. My Declaration of Dependence. Matthew chapter 26, verse 36. The Lord has had the Last Supper with his disciples. He's coming to that place. This is now the Holy Week, Thursday night. Friday, of course, we know is Good Friday. It is when Jesus was crucified. And the night before that, he had a Last Supper with his disciples. Right after the Last Supper, he went down to the base of what would be called the Mount of Olives. If you've ever been to Israel, I've been there three times. It's a wonderful place. And if you're looking out at the Old City, looking from the Old City towards the Mount of Olives. It's a mountain range. At the base of that, the Mount of Olives. Hint, there's olive trees there. You ever thought about that? At the base of the Mount of Olives are these trees. It is right there in that context where our Lord goes And has this moment with the Father that we would call the Garden of Gethsemane scene. All right, so we're going to pick it up. Matthew twenty six. Two situations, two gardens, two different responses. Here's the first garden. Matthew chapter twenty six, verse thirty six. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to them, "Sit here while I go over there and pray." And he took Peter. And the two sons of Zebedee, Peter, James, and John, his three inner circle. And he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little farther, he fell on his face to the ground and he prayed. Notice, if Jesus, the son of God, prayed, how much more should we? Just think about that for a moment. If Jesus, Son of God, fully God and fully man, without a sin nature, if he prayed to the Father, how much more should we? The Bible says, and he fell to the ground and he prayed. And here's what he prayed. Here's the prayer. This is the, this is the greatest prayer of consecration, in my opinion, found in the Bible. Here it is. My Father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken away from me. What is he saying? I know what's about to happen. For this purpose, I came to die. But the pain, not just the physical, not just the emotional pain, but taking on the sin of the world. Wow. He said, yet not as I will. It's not what I want. It's not about my desire, but what you want, our God. What you want, O Lord. Not my will, but thy will, King James says. Not my will, but thy will be done. Your will be done. Look at the next verse. Then he returned to his disciples and he found them sleeping. Couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour? He asked Peter. By the way, it's good to have friends that are with you in your hour of victory. And it's really good to have your friends in an hour of challenge. Really good. And if you're a friend with somebody in an hour of challenge, make sure to stay awake. They need you. By the way, you know when you need people? When you need them. That's another message. That was funny, by the way. I thought I'd just share that. All right, here we go. Everybody say watch and pray. Watch and pray so that you not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing. You know how that is, man. Your spirit's alive. It wants to pray. The problem is your flesh is weak. It's so early in the morning. How many times have we faced that? 42. And he went away a second time. I never saw that this week. It wasn't once. It wasn't twice. But it was three times. He went away a second time and prayed. My father, if it is... If it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. Look at verse 43. He says, when he came back, he found them sleeping again. Stay with your friends in the hour of trial. Because their eyes were heavy. So he left them and he went away once more and prayed the third time, saying the same thing. It's interesting the picture of who Christ is. We believe theologically, the Bible teaches he's 100% God and he's 100% man. Theologically, that's called the hypostatic union. This is the best picture in all of the Bible where you see a clear revealing of the humanity of Christ. The humanity of Christ. We saw a full range of emotion in the gospel of who Jesus is. He laughed, he cried, he wept over the city of Jerusalem, he enjoyed the relationships, and and yet this is a moment. It's a moment of temptation, and what is the temptation? He began his ministry being tempted by the devil in the Judean wilderness, brought up to the temple, throw yourself down, bow down and worship me. He's now ending his ministry in the same fashion, being tempted, but this time tempted to not fulfill the will of the Father, but to do his own. In this one moment, it's like there's a clashing of divinity and humanity and what is Jesus going to do? The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 4, lest you think that this, ah, he's God. He's, well, he is God, but he's also fully man. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 15, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses. But was in all points tempted as we are yet without sin. The writer of Hebrews is talking about Jesus and his humanity. He's struggling to drink the cup. Maybe that's where you are. Maybe you're struggling to drink the cup. The cup of what? The cup of suffering. Because you're in a situation and your flesh is wanting to do one thing. But yet God's word says to do another thing. You read the Bible. You're dealing with somebody. you got bitterness in your heart. And God is saying. And, and every time it seems like every time you open the Bible, there's like a forgiveness scripture. And so what do you do? You close it. You say, I'm not looking at that. Only to open up the book of Psalms, I'll just sing a song. It's like, oh, forgive. Oh, gosh, forgiveness is everywhere. And there's that moment where your will is faced with God's will. The name Gethsemane means crushing. I've been to Israel in that place. The trees are, some of the trees are said to be 2,000 years old. So literally, if you visit, Israel on a Bible tour, or for whatever reason, you go there, you could literally be standing in in a place where our Lord prayed. Of course, later that night, Judas betrays him, 30 pieces of silver. I mean, this is moments before the betrayal. And it's a picture of crushing. It's a picture of surrendering. It's a picture of saying, not what I want, but what you want, oh God. Maybe that's where you are right now. Maybe you're in a place and there's an intersection. You can go this way or you can go that way. I am so grateful that Jesus chose to fulfill the Father's will. How many of y'all are grateful that Jesus went through the cross? Y'all grateful for that? All right. Everybody say two gardens. There's two gardens. There's two situations. There's two different response. Jesus declared a declaration of dependence on the will of the Father. Number two, the second garden. All the way back to the very beginning, the Garden of Eden, God created Adam and Eve. He created the stars. He created the moon. He created the animals. God placed Adam and Eve in the garden to tend the garden. Genesis 2.15, to tend, to keep the garden. Adam and Eve walked with God in the cool of the day. They had perfect fellowship, perfect harmony with God. And then a moment came where the enemy, The antagonist enters the picture. Genesis chapter 3 verse 1. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field. Which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman. Has God indeed said. You shall not eat of it. Of every tree of the garden. Remember this. Let me pause. God told Adam and Eve. They can go anywhere they want. They can do anything they want. They can eat from any tree that they want. There's just one tree. Don't eat from it. Just one. The power of choice. And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the tree, of the gar- the trees of the garden. Look at that next verse, verse 3. But of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat of it, nor shall you touch it. Next verse. Then the serpent said, you will not surely die. Notice what the enemy does, two lies. The first lie, there's actually three lies in the garden. The first lie, did God really say you can't have that? Did the Bible really? I mean, the Bible—it's kind of antiquated anyway. Like, I mean, I mean, golly, do we? This is the 21st century. We have Apple iPhones. Does this really still apply? Does God? By the way, how you know the devil has no new lies? He's still trying to get you to doubt the word of God. Did the word of God really say that? Well, it means this, but it doesn't mean this. And it says this. But, I mean, is Jesus really the only way? I mean, after all, we have the Internet. We have an explosion of knowledge. We have Google. So surely the base of knowledge would then preclude us from suggesting that there's only one exclusive way to God through Jesus. Is it really? Has God really said? The answer is yes, he has. Number one, the enemy's lying, and his lie always begins with undermining the veracity and the truthfulness of God's word. Did God really say? Number two, oh, well, he knows when you eat it, listen, you won't really die. The second lie, there's no consequences to your actions. You really can do whatever you want. Well, it's not true. There is consequences. Look at the third thing. You should not surely die for God knows that in the day that you eat of it your eyes will be open and you'll be like God knowing good and evil. Three lies. The enemy wants to get you to doubt God's word. Number two, to suggest to you there's no consequences for wrong actions. And number three, that God is really trying to keep back fun from you. Yeah. He's just trying to keep you back from so when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and the tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband, and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were open. They knew that they were naked, and they soaked fig leaves together and made themselves covering. And of course, we know the story from there. Their fellowship was broken with God, and thus the redemption story began. It's there in the Garden of Eden in chapter 3. Adam and Eve made a declaration. Their declaration was different than Jesus. By the way, I have a graph. I hope this is helpful for you. I'll explain this, then we'll go on. Number one, everybody say two gardens. By the way, every day you and I live with the possibility of being in two gardens. There's two characters. There's Jesus and there's Adam and Eve. The environment, there was a temptation to do his own will, and there was a temptation to to do their own will, their own thing. The prayer, notice Jesus prayed, not my will, but thy will be done. That's the declaration of dependence. Notice there was no prayer here. How many times we run out the day, we don't pray, we don't check in with headquarters, we don't really ask God's opinion, we're really not sure what the Bible says, we really don't want to take time for that, we don't want to pray over it, we just just kind of just do whatever we think, and yet there's no prayer, and that is a declaration of independence. The result is salvation offered to mankind, the result is isolation, pain, and spiritual death. In America, we know a lot about the... Declaration of Independence. We appreciate it. We love that. We What is the Declaration of Independence? 1776, the signers, what were they doing? They signed a document to declare that, that um, the United States is a sovereign nation. What? Separating from the monarchy, the rule of Great Britain, and they were declaring their independence. By the way, I remember as a kid in 1976, The freedom train. Anybody ever saw the... I saw the freedom train. It was... I was a young boy and I remember seeing that and that was a good thing to declare. Sorry for all the people in Great Britain watching but it was a good thing for us to declare our own sovereign nation, a declaration of independence. It was a good thing but it's never a good thing for us to declare that we're independent from God. That's what Adam and Eve did. Every day you and I are faced with a challenge. Do we declare our dependence upon God or do we declare our independence from God? It's a choice that we all have to make. Proverbs 14, 12 says, there's a way that seems right to man, but its end is the way of death. Ah, that's what I just thought. And I just said, uh, yeah, did you check in with headquarters? Did you check what the Bible says? What does God's word say? What does the spirit of the Lord, what, what, what does God say about that? That's where we are right now in our culture, just scorning what does God say. How many know God knows life best? God knows how things work best. God, God knows how human beings should work best. Shouldn't we check in with the manufacturer how the product should work? David said Psalms 37.5, commit everything you do to the Lord, trust in Him and He will help you. So here, here's what I want to do today. I want to give you guys three practical ways every day, every day to pray what I call inward prayer. Our Lord, our Father who art in heaven, we look up. Now inward is we're going to deal with personal I could as easily have called it personal prayer, but I I want it upward, inward, outward, because this is the personal nature of praying God's will over your life. Jesus, by the way, directed it as number two. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will So I'm going to give you guys three things. If you're joining us online, I want you to take your notes out. By the way, you ought to download that app. You can always follow along with my notes. Let me give you three ways, practically, before I close, that we can pray inward prayer. Number one, daily declare God's will in your life. Daily declare it. After we've spent time with God, communing with God, having intimacy with God, there's this moment Matthew 6.10, when Jesus said, let your kingdom come, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. All right, this is, this is amazing to understand this. The Greek tense for those, for, those, for those words there, let your kingdom come, let your will be done, is actually in the imperative tense. What that means is it's a command. The reason why that's important is Jesus is actually telling us. So it's not just a passive resignation to life circumstances. No, what we're actually doing is we're declaring the will of God over our lives. In other words, better said in the Greek tense, you could say it this way. Come, kingdom of God, will of God be done. You got to see this. It's like drawing a line in the sand. Who are you drawing the line with? You're not drawing it with God. I tell you who you're drawing the line with. You're drawing the line in the sand with your own self-will. You're drawing the line in the sand with the devil, the world, the flesh, and the devil. And here's what you're saying. Will of God be done in my life. What are you doing? You're speaking to your soul. You're saying, soul, line up with the will of God. We're not going to do What? We want today. We're going to do what God wants. Why? Because God's will for our life is better than our will for our life. And there's greater satisfaction in being in God's will than our will. How many of y'all believe that? You got to see this. So I I want to invite you to understand the Bible. The Bible is very clear. There's a declaration of God's will. So this is the moment of prayer where we declare the will of God over our lives. You speak to your soul. David said, Rejoice, O oh my soul. What is he? He's speaking to his soul. We speak to our soul. We speak to the devil, the world, the flesh, and the devil. Will of God be done in my life today. Now, why is that important? Well, Paul speaks to that in Romans chapter 12. Here's what he says: He says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Wholly and acceptable to God, which is a reasonable service. Let me pause there. I, I teach a lot in the Scripture. and If you've been around Church of the King, you'll gain a biblical understanding of Old Testament sacrifices. Old Testament sacrifices, short answer, were there to be a picture, ultimately, of Christ. They, they sacrificed animals in the Old Testament... As a foreshadowing of the ultimate sacrifice, John the Baptist, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He was looking at Jesus. Jesus was the ultimate Lamb. They sacrificed lambs in the Old Testament, pointing to the ultimate Lamb, Jesus, who is to be sacrificed for the sins of the world. Now, notice this. All of the Old Testament sacrifices, when they were placed on the altar, guess what? They were dead. Paul says, that we are to <laughs> present ourselves before God every day as living sacrifices. Now, this is deep theology. What's the difference between a dead sacrifice and a living sacrifice? When the heat gets going on a dead sacrifice, it doesn't move. You know where I'm going with this, y'all are smart. But when the heat gets going, I love God. I'm going to serve Jesus. I prayed my prayers this morning. 10 o'clock, you get to the office, somebody cusses you out. Like, really? And you just cuss. I don't cuss them. Y'all do. But anyway, so I'm the pastor. But okay, here we go. Okay, I do get in the flesh sometimes, but not as bad as y'all. But here we go. So, So here, stay with me. Stay with the Bible. Here we go. Here we go a living sacrifice when the heat gets hot I'm getting off that altar that's what Paul says that's why every day every day we declare will of God be done in my life you're speaking to your soul why is that? God's will for your life is better than your will for your life it's better than your will for your life and we can trust God in that so what are we doing? number one We are declaring the will of God. Every day, there's two gardens. Everybody say two gardens. There's two declarations. There's a declaration of dependence upon God and His will, or there's a declaration of independence away from God. You can do God's will, or you can do your own will. And I'm telling you, if you do your own will, it doesn't end well. Number one, how do you practically do that? You practically do that every day with your mouth, declaring... Over your soul, over the world, the flesh, and the devil, will of God be done in my life. Can I do that? The count of three? We're going to say, will of God be done in our lives. In our lives. One, two, three. Will of God be done in our lives. That is the literal interpretation of our Lord's words to the disciples to pray every day. All right, second thing I want to teach you. The question that we often have, we have so many new people at Church of the King. I am so blown away how God's moving, not just online and broadcast on TV, but all of our physical locations are growing. And so many, how many are grateful that Jesus is bringing so many new people to Church of the King? Are y'all grateful (laughs) for that? Many of you are part of that. So I'm going to give you an important theological and biblical concept that's going to help you. Here's the question. I'm going to posit a question, then I'm going to give you the answer. Here's the question. When do you pray? In your prayer time, when do you pray if it be thy will? When do you pray that? Because there's a, there's, a, there's a moment to pray that. But at times we're praying if it be thy will when it's out of place, it's out of context. So let me answer the question. The question is when do you pray if it be thy will in your prayer time? We pray if it be thy will when it's related to direction in our lives or if the word of God is not clear about a situation. For example, you're asking God, what is your plan? Should I move to this city? Should I not? That's when you would pray. Lord, we're asking for your will be done. Lord, if it's your will, I pray that you'd make it clear. I pray that we'd have peace in our hearts, oh God. Lord open up doors. Lord shut the wrong ones. Lord open the right ones. What are you doing? You're this is related to direction. Should I go to this college? Should I go to that college? It's 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 about you should should I start a business? What are you doing? You're praying to God if it be thy will. If it's your will, God, then you add Lord, I pray you'd be so clear to us. If you're a couple, you're praying with your spouse, Lord, that you would show us if it's your will, oh God. So if it be thy will, prayers contextually are within direction, primarily related to direction. Should I do this? Should I go there? I want to be very clear. In contrast, we never should pray, nor do we need to pray and add, if it is your will, if God's word is clear about a situation. First John chapter five, verse fourteen. Now, this is the confidence that we have in Him: that if we have, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. So that means if you've got a lost relative named Tim or Timmy, okay, and they don't know Christ, you never would pray. If it be thy will. Why is that? Because the Bible's clear. What does the Bible say? Here's what the Bible says. 1 Timothy 2, 3-4. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men. Everybody say all men. That's all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. It is God's will for Timmy to come to Christ. So you shouldn't pray if it be thy will. You should pray in confidence. Thank God and say thank you Lord that it is your will to save Timmy. Lord, lose Timmy from the powers of the enemy that would lie to him. We call him into the kingdom of God. For example, some of you single people, you say, well, you know, <clears throat> I'm thinking about dating this person. Pastor, is there any scripture in the Bible that talks about who you should or shouldn't date? Or is there names there? Well, I'll say this. I'll say this. There is some wisdom that is very clear in this scripture related to specifically one thing. One thing that I really know. And here it is. If you are praying, if it is your will to date somebody, if you're single, and this person is not a believer. The Bible's real clear. Real clear on this point. Real clear on this point. Here's what it says: The Bible says, 1 Corinthians six fourteen. Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers, <clears throat> for what has fellowship with righteousness with law what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? And what communion has light with darkness? So, in other words, you should never have to pray, Lord, is it your will for me to date this person if you know they're unbeliever. Why is that? Because the word of God is clear. Light and darkness should not have fellowship together. Related at that level of yoking. So, to end point two, very clearly. When do you add if it be thy will? When you don't know direct. When you're not sure. When it's either A, a directionary prayer. Or B, when it's not clearly revealed in the word of God. For example, my wife and I were asked my pastor in Metairie, would I come across the lake and start a church in Mandeville? It wasn't my idea. Church of the King wasn't my idea. I didn't look at demographic studies. I was asked five times, I think you should consider this. I think you should. Con-. So my wife and I prayed, and that's when you appropriately would pray, Lord, if it's your will, we pray that you'd make it clear. If it's your will, it, so, so that's if it be thy will, okay, that's not, there's no clear verse in the Bible I'm now praying because it's a direction issue does that make sense and God spoke and, and there it is but so the point is is that many of you are undermined in your confidence in praying because you're putting if it be thy will when the will of God is the word of God and it's clearly revealed in the word all right let me give you the third thing did that help anybody okay so what have we said today I got one more point that's going to help you and we'll close Every day, we've, we're in two gardens. We've got two choices. Declaration of dependence. Not my will, but thy will be done, O oh God. And I want to say this to you again. God's will and God's plan for your life is better than your plan for your life. It's better. Don't let fear, well, you know, don't, don't let the enemy, God, just keep him back. From no, He's not. He may be protecting you because he doesn't want to see you injured, right? But God's plan for your life is more satisfying, it's more fulfilling, it's more rewarding. Not m- my will, but thine be done. Okay, so two gardens, two choices. Declaration of dependence, declaration of independence. Number one, what we've learned is we declare God's will. We speak to our soul. Will of God be done. We speak to the world, the flesh, and the devil. Number two, we never add on if it be thy will Unless it's a directionary prayer or if it's not clearly revealed in the Word of God. Because the Word of God is the will of God revealed. Number three, and I'll close. Pastor, how do I pray what's called petitionary prayer? Stay with me. Remember Jesus, our Father who art in heaven? I'm just following the Lord's prayer if you don't realize that. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Oh, give us this day. Our daily bread. What that is called in the Bible, it's actually called petitionary prayer or supplication. What is petitions? Petitionary prayer. Petitionary prayer is an earnest request to an authority. If you literally look up the word petition, there's two primary meanings. The first primary meaning is making a request. Stay with me. To an authority. Give us this day our daily bread. So petitionary prayer, supplication, same concept. I'm bringing my request, my need. This is personal. I'm not bringing your need yet. I'm not worshiping God. I've done the worship. I've submitted my will. I'm connected with God. Now I'm ready. I'm bringing my needs to God. How do I bring my needs to God? I want to help you. When you bring your need or your problem to God, Don't ever bring your problem to God, let me say this, without bringing God's promise with it. Now, this is important. Don't miss this. I'm teaching you how to energize your prayer life and how to make it effective and put faith in your heart. So let's practice. God, I am, so I've I've worshiped God. I feel connected to God. I feel God's manifest presence. I've declared God's will over my life. I'm not bringing my need. Here's my need. Here's my need. Okay, I'm bringing, I'm bringing to God. Lord, I have a need for peace. I'm, I'm struggling with fear and anxiety. Watch this. I'm bringing that to God. I'm bringing that to God. I'm bringing my concern. I'm bringing my problem to God. But I'm not just bringing that problem to God without something. Guess what else I'm bringing. I'm bringing my problem. I'm bringing my problem, but I'm also bringing a promise with it. Don't, don't miss this. Don't miss this. Don't miss this. So I'm bringing my, so, so here's my Lord. I'm struggling with fear God, I've got anxiety, but, everybody say but. But your word says, oh, there's the promise. I brought the problem, but I've got the promise with it. But your word says in John 14, 27, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Those are the words of Jesus. There is a promise that we can have on earth the peace of Jesus in our heart. How many are grateful for that? We can have that. Okay. Okay. So here it is, here it is. When you bring your need to God or your problem to God, find a promise that connects with that. Lord, I'm struggling with this fear. I'm struggling with this anxiety, but God, your word says the peace I leave with you, my peace. Lord, I, <laughs> whew, God, there's so much around me and there's so many swirls and waves and, and I just declare your word over my life. God, I thank you. You've promised it. You've promised, Lord, peace. And so I just open my heart right now. What am I doing? Are you reminding God because God forgot? No, you're reminding your soul. Lord, I bring this, but I bring this. Whenever you bring a problem to God, bring the promise. And you actually, you confess the problem and you pray the promise. Lord, your word said. Everybody say, your word said. Get used to say that your word said your word said what that means you got to get into the word, you got to get into the word. You're struggling with health issues, Lord. I've got this health issue, God. I'm struggling with this, but your word said the healing is the children's bread, Lord. Your word said that by your wounds I am healed and made whole. Your word said so. I'm not denying the problem. I'm bringing the problem, but I'm not bringing the problem by itself. I'm putting right next with the promise of God. Right next to it, the promise of God. Everybody said, your word said. I'm bringing the problem. Do not leave this service, any of our locations, say, Pastor Steve's saying, deny the problem. I'm not saying deny the problem. I am saying, I'm going to focus on the promise to deal with the problem. That's what I'm saying. And I'm going to pray the promise. Lord, I've got these bills. I'm struggling financially. I've got, Lord, your word said. You shall supply all of my needs according to your riches and glory. Lord, I don't know, but I'm going to focus. I'm not denying the problem, but I'm going to focus on the promise. And by the way, even if I don't feel it, even if I don't see it, it, I'm going to focus on the promise. And if I focus on the promise, I'm not denying the problem, but I'm going to deny the right for that problem to define my future. There's a higher power at play. It's the word of God. It's the promise of God. So what do we learn today? And we'll close. Here it is. I'm so fired up. I hope y'all can get this today. I'm working as hard as I can to help you guys. Here it is. On my birthday. (laughs) On my birthday. All right, here it is. All right, stay with me. I look good for 35. (laughs) Plus. All right, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. What have we said today? In summation, every day there's two choices because there's two gardens. There's a declaration of dependence. Not what I want, but you want, oh God. You can trust God. Don't let the enemy lie. Doing God's will is more satisfying than doing your own. Or the Declaration of Independence. I'll do it my way. Oh. I know that some of y'all know that song. I think it's Frank Sinatra. Bad theology. <laughs> let me say it again. Bad, bad theology. Number one, declare. Everybody say declare. Declare Declare the will of God to your soul every day. Number two, I don't pray if it be thy will unless it's related to direction or if it's not clearly revealed in the word of God. Number three, I never bring a problem without bringing the promise of God. I don't deny the problem, but I confess and declare the promise of God. The promise of God is more powerful than my problem, and Jesus is the king of our lives. Come on. Do y'all believe that? Do y'all believe that? I'm going to ask everybody to bow their heads. I've got one minute left. Every location, those that are joining us online, if you do not know Christ, if you're not sure about your relationship with God, I want to pray for you right now. I can't save you, Church of the King. can't save you. I tell you, Ken, His name is Jesus. He loves you. He died on the cross for you. He shed His blood for you. Do you know Christ? Do you know that you know if you die today that you're ready to stand before God? The Bible says, whoever calls upon the name of Jesus shall be saved. In just a moment, all of our locations, those that are joining us online, the kind of thing, just lift your hand up so I can see it. I'm going to pray for you. Pastor, I need Christ. I need the blood of Jesus to wash me, cleanse me, and make me new. If that's you, one, two, three. Quickly, hold your hand up high so I can see it. God bless you, ma'am. God bless you and you and you. God bless you right there, sir. God bless you. Anybody else? Pastor, pray for me. I need Christ. I'm not sure about my relationship. God bless you, honey, right there. Anybody else? God bless you way up top, my friend. Jesus loves you, cares about you, and brought you here today. Yeah. God bless you as well. Church, let's pray with those that are trusting Christ. Can we do that? This is a very holy moment in our service each week. Come on, let's pray together with them. Say, Dear Jesus, I come to you today a sinner in need of a Savior. Say, Jesus, I repent of my sin. I let go of my past, and I turn to you. I turn to the cross. Say, Jesus, wash me with your blood. Give me a new heart, a new life, a new reason to live. I want you to say this, say, Jesus, I take my life and I put it in your hands. Let me pray. Father, I thank you for the sealing work of the Holy Spirit and the word of the living God, taking root deep in the hearts of your people.
1: Wow, what a powerful message. And hey, if you're making that decision right now, you're making the decision to give your life to Christ, we just wanna celebrate with you. And I wanna ask you to do me a personal favor. Would you take just a moment, maybe two, to fill out the short form? You can click the link on the screen or in the chat room. Let us know you're making that decision today. It'll do two things. One, it'll let us know so that we can celebrate this amazing decision you just made, but it will also allow us the opportunity to come alongside you and resource you in this brand new journey of following Christ. Yes, absolutely, and what's truly amazing is the fact that whether you're giving your life to Christ for the first time ever or you're rededicating your life, this is a special moment. This is the moment that you've been waiting for. This is the fresh start that you get to walk in. All of the shame and guilt of maybe past experiences or maybe past decisions that you've made are wiped clean. You get to start fresh today. And so we want to encourage you with that. We are so excited for the new life that you have in Christ. And hey, we really are, like Angel said, we are celebrating with you. This is such an amazing moment. We believe truly that this is the greatest moment of your life. And if I could, I just wanna encourage you with one final thought. Man, as you start this new journey with Christ, it's it can be easy to, to find your the wind taken out of your sails by, by just the cares of life and things that are going on. So if I could just encourage you wherever you're at, whatever is going on, man, commit to showing up. Just keep showing up, keep coming back to church online. Maybe find a small group online or in person somewhere, wherever you're at, keep showing up. Because we really do believe that there is power in spiritual family, in church community. Keep showing up. And I believe that God has healing and restoration in store for you. Absolutely. And hey, we just want to say as we wrap up this service, thank you for joining us. Thank you for spending time with us this week. And we cannot wait to see you next week. Same time, same place. We love you guys. Have a great week.